Welcome to episode number 23 of the Better With Brock podcast. I'm here with Leah Simmons. And before she kind of jumps in, I want to, um, I guess, give a bit of backstory of how we met. We met, well, last weekend? Yes. Last weekend at the MS Fit event. And I typically do not like those <laughs> events. Not particularly those events, but I guess networking, networking events. Well, we were there to run classes, but... I, I struggle with, I guess, the meeting people and say, let's catch up for coffee and you're never going to do it or let's catch up soon and it never happens. So it was really nice to meet you um, and other trainers as well that were like super nice, genuine, like loving fitness, on the same journey, helping people and stuff. So uh, it was awesome to meet you. Uh, <laughs> do you want to give a little intro because you were running some hat balance classes, oh, belt stretching. I mean, but I that's would... not an accurate picture <laughs> of what you do. And I was no. teaching a hit class, and I'm, I don't do a drop of cardio in my life, and right. I'm, I'm doing a hit class. So, give us a little intro of. Um, look, um, I you know I was definitely thrown out of my comfort zone in those classes, a hundred percent. But like. I was like, I'm not going to pass up this opportunity mm. for a challenge. Um, obviously, the brand was one that I was like, I was so intrigued as to what they were about to offer. Plus, I'd done a little bit of research for the ones that they'd done around the world. And I just thought, what a great, um, mm. what a great thing to be involved in. Um, yeah, so I had to – I was brought in as like a yoga teacher. So I'm not a traditional yoga teacher. I teach kundalini yoga, which is a completely different form of, of – of yoga than what people are kind of, I guess, used to. It focuses a lot more on the breath, um, a lot more on moving energy. Um, it's more of a, it's it's a physical yoga, but it's it, it's much more around mindset and um, you know those sorts of uh, those sorts of repetitive things. So when they were like, oh, we want you to sort of you know put together a, a yoga class using our silk scarves, we want you to put together a stretch class using the belts and this sort of hat balance class, I was like, okay. <laughs> um, plus they gave me like a two-minute reference of what they'd done in the past. So I went to create a 30-minute class around it. But um, it was great. And to be honest, you were the first person that – because we were on day one together at the same time. You were the first person that I'd seen in – in our orange outfits <laughs> and I was like oh my god thank god there's somebody else here that's feeling half as like ridiculous <laughs> as me um but I think over the three days um it was a really really fun innovative event and mm. a way to kind of blend fashion and fitness in a fun way for people I think if they'd never experienced um anything like that and it was fun you know and yeah. I got to meet you and, and I'm the same with you I'm I don't generally use those sorts of events to, um, you know, spruik my brand or who I am or anything. I'm very much about the person mm. and if, um, if, if there is a rapport or something or if there's like a common interest that is um, identified from the outset, well, let's take it from there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, I don't feel like just because we're all fitness trainers and thrown into some, we should all like be best friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was good and there's def there was definitely a synergy having spoken to you. And I think we talked about, we didn't even talk about fitness, we talked about no. your family yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. kids and a yeah. whole bunch of stuff. And that to me is where those, you know, that commonality is, is really born. Mm. So Yeah, mm. I think that's kind of like the last thing I want to talk about as well. Same. Like, you know, we don't want to sit down and go, oh, how many push-ups can you do? No, because <laughs> you know? you'll win that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I was, yeah, it was nice to just like talk and yes. just hang out as friends because Absolutely. as I said, like sometimes it's just not like that. 
But coming from fitness, how did you get in here? Because I learned a few things about you coming into this podcast that you oh, were... Oh, really? Yeah. From the internet? <laughs> that you were a DJ for what, 18 years Truth. in London. Yes. Um, so take us like from, from the start. Like, I guess oh, if you want to go back to, back you know, decades. where you grew up, how you grew up and then <laughs> how you transitioned from being a DJ to going into fitness. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, I won't bore you with Leah's life story. Suffice to say that, you know, I had a very, uh, had a very rich upbringing, as in rich, you know, um, fulfilling. It was great. I've got a mm. sister who I adore. Um, and... But I think I was slightly unconventional from the get-go. I always had different ideas. I always had a different kind of outlook. I was very, very musical as a child. Mm. So learned to play the piano when I was like three, four years old. Um, constantly singing, always singing, always the performer, yeah. you know, always the leader, always doing <laughs> plays and random things. So there was definitely a future of something on stage somewhere for Leah. And um, when I left school... You know, all my friends went off to uni. I was like, oh, I want to become a DJ. I'd really just fallen in love with that whole kind of, you know, it was the it was the mid nineties, and um, so women, I think, were starting to find their feet in music. Um, I started DJing. I was dating a DJ. I started DJing. I found out I was quite good at it. I was getting all of these jobs. I was one of two female DJs in Sydney. Um, at the time, and it was all vinyl. It was, you know, there was none of this, like, push a button and stuff, just yeah. mixes. It was, you know, you had to have skills. Yeah, these days, DJs, I'm like, are you just pressing play and then just, like, dancing around? They're pressing play, and I think they're pressing beat sync. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Make it work. just does it together. I don't know. I can't say that for certain. I'm not in the scene anymore. But back then, it was definitely all manual, and you mm. had to listen. So I'd go home, and I'd key all of my records I'd sit at the piano and I'd figure out what key they were in and so that I could listen you know make the listening experience that much more I was just like I was always a nerd you know, no matter mm. what I was doing whether it was music or fitness or thing I just I love learning and I love information and I love uh, absorbing things and seeing how far I can kind of take things and mashing things up and that's mm. always been my uh, that's always been my mo and um, so my DJ career led me um, quite amazingly, so I have to say, um, to London. And the way that happened was I was working for a radio station in Sydney. I was the marketing manager and I also had a radio show. And my colleagues encouraged me to enter this competition called the Red Bull Music Academy. Okay. And it was the first one that they were running. It was in the year 2000 and it was open globally. And the prize, if you won, was um, two weeks in a global city somewhere being um, mentored by some of the most amazing people at the top of their field in the music industry. So it was like... A&R people for record labels. It was the guy that invented the Moog synthesizer. It was just, it was this sort of two-week think tank. And they had about 3,000 people from around the world apply. 16 people got selected and I was one of them. And it was supposed to be in New York. Two days before I was supposed to leave, September 11 Ooh. happened. Yeah. And, um, which was devastating, obviously. Yeah. But, so they did a whole kind of rethink and they... Uh, postponed it to London the following January. So off I went to London um, on this two-week thing. I went for six weeks because I have family over there. I was 24 years old and I was like, 
like this is where I want to be. You know, this is the epicenter of the music industry, not mm. Sydney. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the I, beach industry and fitness. Totally, and, that and it's just small, and it's mm. not our fault. It's great. The quality of life is amazing, mm. and you know, I, it's my home. But if you want to go and like realize a dream. On, in that, you know, everybody that I looked up to was over there. Every label that I loved mm. was over there. And after these two weeks, I was like, that's it, I'm moving here. And I literally did. I came home, I packed up my stuff and I was like, I'm out. And off I went to London. Big dreams, big expectations, thinking that I could just stroll into Radio 1 and be like, I worked at a radio station in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, you guys need a marketing <laughs> you manager? Know, yeah. yeah, totally. Because no internet, like no social media, none of that. Mm. It was all just... I have a dream. What are the steps I'm going to take to realise it? And mm. I'm not going to let anybody tell me that I can't do it. Yeah. Um, so off I went and, you know, nine months later, still working in a clothing shop <laughs> on Portobello Road going, one day, it's going to be tomorrow. They're yeah. going to... And but any- I think, sorry to jump in, I think that's the beauty of no social media and kind 100%. of having this courage to do that because you see people all successful and stuff and it can often prevent you from going because you see yeah the success and then you go well if I move to London I'm going to be here and I have to work my way up but I I feel like not having that is like like potentially you would have saw social media and all that kind of stuff and maybe how hard it was and you would have not done it and I feel like that's what people do these days is like just look at things and they get paralyzed by fear Everything is also available now to everybody so and I mean and, and what I'm saying is if you wanted something back then you really needed to be creative in the way that you went off to get it. And there was, mm. a, there was a, a, a drive in you that separated people that just went, oh, I see it, I'll apply for it. Do, do you know what I mean? The pool was smaller, but mm. it was more competitive because yeah. it was like the things that I had to do to try and get to this point. Yeah. Well, you packed um, up your bags, you know, and then just moved to I moved to a, moved to a completely foreign country, whereas yeah. if I had probably gone you know, looked at someone's vlog on the pros and the cons of living in London, <laughs> la, la, I'd be like, that's too scary. Yeah, I'm that not costs gonna too do much. That. Where yeah. am I going to live? Yeah. Oh. And I, because of my, I guess, naivety or, you know, I wouldn't call it ignorance. It was just we didn't have – all I had in my mind was this one goal mm. and I'm going to go and see if I can – do you know what I mean? Yeah. So – Eventually, um, a, a job came up at a record label. I'd never worked at a record label before in my life, mm. but um, I thought I'm going to apply, and I got the job. And so I ended up living in London, living my dream. I ran the world's largest independent breakbeat label at the age of 24. I was looking after some massive international acts. We were touring all around Europe. We would do like it was. I was living in a fairy tale. Yeah, that's the dream. That's why you moved. That's the dream, mm. you know. And um, it was work hard, play hard, play really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Harder than I've ever played in my life. Yeah, the music scene is notorious for that. And no social media, so no evidence of yeah. anything. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was being in the moment. Mm. There was no – you weren't being filmed – yeah. It was just, yeah. it was pure unadulterated experience and presence mm. and it was so much fun and I had so many firsts in my life um, sort of between the age of 24 and 29 mm. and um, I really, I cherish those times to have lived without the pressure of social media. Yeah. Well, I feel like now people just kind of do things 
for, for the gram, that. for the gram, you know, like they're like tidying and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, did you get it? And then they just sit down and like edit it and post it. It's they're sad. Not in the moment. It mm. actually that breaks my heart to mm. feel like all of these moments that you see are fake moments. And and look, to be honest with you, it, this actually led me into the whole Kaya journey is mm. um, being a perpetrator of that fake life you know mm. that but that's later on in my in my fitness story but look every every all good things must come to an end and yeah. i realized that i was about to turn 30 that i can't keep going on this train mm. it will end up crashing it's a fast train <laughs> it's a fast train to nowhere <laughs> um and every time i'd come back to australia my mum would like just she'd take one look at me and be like you need to come with me and you know, get some exercise and get some sunshine. And, yeah. and so, were you working out at the time, or no, no, fitness wasn't absolutely not. Yeah. I my my cardio was on a dance floor, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which isn't too bad of the form no, of cardio. No, but yeah. you know, I wasn't eating anything. I was probably drinking way too much. There was other yeah. stuff going on. Like it was, yeah. you know, it was what um, I was living the dream of a twenty-something who wasn't in the fitness industry, who was obsessed with the music industry, mm. and you know, I was probably in. I was just having these amazing experiences, but um, I started to feel like it, I was, I was, I, it, it, the, you know, it would, the time in it was kind of coming to an end. My sister was about to have her first baby. I was kind of starting to go, oh, what am I doing with my life? Like, yeah. I can't keep doing this. And um, so I ended up moving back to Australia just before I turned 30. And around about this time was when um, iTunes was just starting to become a thing and so the music industry was shifting anyway from this very physical um you know you'd go into a record store and you'd you'd scan all the music and you'd choose really carefully because records were expensive and um you know it wasn't just download a song for a dollar that mm. didn't exist and so our industry relied on people buying music and then the artists touring to support all of that and the the, the bottom started to fall out of the uh, especially the independent record label industry because all of a sudden you could have whatever song you wanted available to you to download um, there was no more experiential mm. going into the record store so the whole thing was shifting and I was like, right, this is a sign. It's time for me to go into something new. And I was like, what else do I love doing? And um, at the time, my mum had introduced me to Pilates as, mm. a, as a method. And it wasn't popular. It was 2006. Um, it was a thing that, you know, you either did when you were old <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to, like, rehab a hip replacement yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Or you did as, like, an ex-ballet dancer um, mm. coming out, you know, because that's what we're an ex-dancer. But, you know, it's funny now I look back on it. So People, like, you know, um, professional surfers, professional basketball players, all the rugby league teams, they were all doing it. It just wasn't called Pilates. It was called core conditioning. Yeah. It sounds, it, it's, well, it sounds, I guess for, like, rugby players and surfers and stuff, it sounds less like Pilates was more maybe like a female thing. To totally. Do. And there's all that stigma around the language and everything, but you're all doing it, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So, um, but I really, really resonated with the method and it was the one thing that actually I could see real results in my physique. Mm. Um, I felt taller. 
when yeah. I'd come out of a class. Like it did something where it would... Because I, I love the focus on postural alignment and spine health. I think it's really, really important to look after your flexibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're looking at me. All the warning signs are there. Yes. You're like, you're a walking problem. Yeah. Yes, we don't want to end up like a pretzel. Yeah, okay. I'm sitting here trying to fold myself in half and yeah. Um, you know, and I think Joseph Pilates said you're only as young as your spine is healthy because mm. it really is. Like if you... If you let that go and you st- and you st- you just focus on your superficial muscles mm. um, and you don't um, bring the training down into all those little muscles in and around your spine and start training from the inside out, you really feel it. It's like mm. it's like a tree that has this seemingly really strong trunk on the outside, but is hollow on the inside. You could just push it over. And I felt very hollow this morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so to give you a bit of context, I um I did um the the Kaya class at uh, what's the spot called? Um, at Virtus yeah, in Virtus. Bondi Beach. Yeah, yeah. so 9am we had a class and I was I was actually telling Leah, it's like I was like, I, yeah, I'm strong, but I couldn't hold my arms out. So we were doing, um, how do you explain the pose? So just arms out it's to an the extended side. arm hold. Okay, yeah. extended arm hold, pinkies kind of to the sky. Yeah, so you want to turn everything on so, yeah. you know, we're not getting lazy in yeah. our positions and... I could not last. Like, I, I think I had like a two minute run at the start, but it was, I don't know, 11 minutes, nine minutes. So I was like coming in and out back then. It was like sweat dripping down my face. My back <laughs> was like super sweaty. My hip flexors were sore. My spine, well, not spine, like my erectors were sore. Yes. My arms were sore. I was like sweating. I was, and I was like looking around to see if everyone else was sweating. And there was like, people weren't really sweating. And then, yeah, that lady in front of us, um, straight out. Okay, so I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that. Yeah, in yeah. that, because first of all, first time. Second of yeah. all, you came in with an expectation that it was going to be easier than it I was. I did think it was going to yeah. be a lot easier. So yeah. expectations, as we know, are the breeding ground for disappointment. Yeah. Like they I was very are disappointed going- <laughs> in myself. Yeah, <laughs> but they're going yeah. to they're going to potentially hinder your experience because you've already put a series of caveats on, like. Mm what you think is going to be the outcome. And, um, you know, thirdly, it's something that you, you, you're not used to, you're not conditioned to it, you haven't done it before, it's new. I haven't done Pilates before. Like, not that that's a Pilates class, that's a Kaya class. Yes. Right? It's an experience. But, but it combines a whole bunch of stuff. I haven't done anything like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all of those things combined are going to set off those receptors in your mind that either, you know, you can't do this, it's hard, you're going to feel the sensations all over your body. So I try to not um, refer to that as pain per se mm. because pain is subjective. Mm. What's painful for you, you know, your pain threshold is different to my pain threshold. Um, we also associate the word pain with something that's negative mm. where sometimes, you know, the after you go through that initial period of discomfort, the outcome is really, really positive. It's almost always positive. Yeah. So mm. what I like to do is to break it down into a series of sensations. Okay, mm. where am I feeling this in my body? And isn't that interesting? And meet that sensation with a bit of curiosity rather than like judgment mm. and going, oh, I'm really shit at this. Because you're not, right? Mm. Let's look at all the things that you've done really well. Mm. And I've just sat here for two minutes with my arms out, you know, let's yeah. celebrate that. Mm. Do I need a rest? Perhaps, but maybe let's go back into it and see if I can, mm. you know, start to build on that experience. And as I was saying to you before, the whole class is a metaphor for life. Mm. I'm not trying to build up your traps or, you know, 
I mean, there's that. That's the secondary thing. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm, what I'm hoping is going to happen is that you can sit in a period of discomfort in your life for even if it's just one more breath cycle, mm. longer than you thought you would be able to, and then go, oh, my gosh, if I could do that, then how else in my life can I show up for myself um, in a way that is beyond what I think? Because it's all a mental mind game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We put limits around what we are truly capable of because of fear, mm. and that's normal. It's not like we're doing anything that any other human being isn't doing. And, and it's, you know, it, comes from, um, it comes from that sort of very primal fight or flight where we want to keep ourselves safe. Mm. What does safety look like? Is our life in danger anymore on a day-to-day -day basis? No. But our physical reactions to when things aren't going our way or if we're, you know, taken down a different road um, to somewhere that's unknown, that response is the same mm, still primal it's yeah. still primal you know and what would happen and i think i think with kaya what it's really trying to show people is that there's a space in between the stimulus and then your response to it that you have control over mm. and it's in that space that you want to try and build capacity and resilience mm. and trust in your own ability to be able to actually push through that perceived limit, because it's all just perceived. Mm. There's really no threat there except what's in your own mind. And Kaya is a tool that you can refer to on any day, at any given time, when you are faced with a challenge or um, something that makes you uncomfortable, to meet that challenge with a little bit more patience, mm. a little bit more compassion, uh, less judgment, less resistance, and a bit more openness because it's in those moments, I think, where you really truly understand yourself and then can open you up to everything that life has to offer you, you know, rather than living life with these blinkers and these sort of, mm. you know. So that's why I created it. it. It it really, it was all of the things and all of the practices that I was doing in my life on a daily basis that kept me together. Mm. So you started Pilates. Yep. Originally, your mum got you into it, and then how did you form the rest of the so, whole? Yeah, putting everything okay. together. So winding back, um, decided that I wanted to become a Pilates teacher. Did my PT training. Did my Pilates training. Took a couple of years. Was teaching in my Pilates studio in Double Bay. Um, you know, was loving it. Absolutely loving it. Building up a really solid client base. Seeing people's transformations. The one thing, though, that really um, baffled me was that this was, the, this was when social media started to become a thing. So what year are we in? We are in 2007, 2008. Yeah. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, just starting. My handle was Body by Leah Simmons. So I was very focused on... The body. The physical, you yeah. know, because that's what we can see. It's tangible. It's what you can mm. touch and feel and, um, you know, this is – it's like this looked like this this day and now it looks like this. Obviously, yeah. it's doing something else. And what we were being fed, I think, um, was that, you know, this particular or this, this body type, this ideal equals health. So if you look a certain way, then you're going to feel a certain way and fit equals healthy – and all of this yeah. sort of stuff. And that's what we were, yeah. that's what we were taught. There's um, still a lot of people in that world. 
Well, there are, you know, but I'm like, thank goodness, I think that the narrative is starting to mm. be questioned. It's not so much that it's um, that it's wrong. Mm. It's just why do we think that? And if my experience isn't that, does that make me? Does that make my experience not valid? Mm. Because I have to be honest, I was right into that, mm. and. What I was um, experiencing was that the pressure to maintain this body meant that I was engaging in practices that would would not have been deemed healthy at all, right? So what's the winner? I look this way, therefore I am this way, or I look this way despite not being, you know, this perfect picture of health. Mm. If I could show you, and, and I'm now starting to talk about the things that I was doing behind the scenes um, to preserve this body. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was just saying to my friend yesterday, back in those days, you know, we were all talking about publications. There was your day on a plate. Do you remember your day on a plate, Brock, when you no, get asked? No, you'd never. Oh, you're too young. <laughs> <laughs> they would ask you, uh, what does your day on a plate look like? So you'd have right. to list all of the things that you would eat in okay. a day as a, you know, um, I mean, God forbid I should actually put what I was or not consuming in the day. So what I would do, and this was where I really kind of met myself for the first time, I would put together this amazing plate of food, eggs, tomato, like sauerkraut, you know, the the most, I'd be counting all all the the protein and just the right amount of this and blah, 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 shoot it, throw it in the bin. And you laugh, but that is sad. Well, I laugh because I... I question it because there's still things, well, it's not really like day on a plate, but now it's like people are posting or influencers, fitness influencers, like what I eat in a day. Well, it's the same. same and I see the same thing. thing. Yeah. It's like that stuff and I'm like, surely you are not eating that. So, but this is what in my mind would gain, I mean, like where I was going in my mind mentally was just so far away from where I should have been. So it was like... Mm. This is going to get, first of all, the most amount of likes. This is not going to get me into trouble. Um, This is maybe even in the back of my mind what I'd want to be eating. Like all these crazy um, thoughts. But the the bare fact was that I would throw it in the bin. I wouldn't eat it. I wasn't eating. Mm. I was um, engaging in terrible health practices. Um, My sleep was suffering. I was disconnected from myself, my son, my partner. I mean... I was so far away from being healthy, but I looked healthy. And this is when I started really questioning what did it mean to be truly fit? What does it mean to be truly healthy? Where does health come from? And is healthy just a physical feeling? Like what about your mental health? Mm. I mean mental health wasn't even a conversation back then. We weren't really even talking about it in the mainstream. And so what happened was... um, I was not only noticing that it was I was having these thoughts and these questions, but my clients would come in whinging about their relationship, whinging about this, whinging about that. It was all whinging, whinging. Ugh. Meanwhile, they're looking amazing and I'm like, everybody's feeling this. Yeah, it's a massive imbalance. It's a huge imbalance. And so then I started going, well, where does happiness come from? What does it take to be happy? Where, you know, are they mutually exclusive? What's, what's one without the other is health mm. and happiness? And so all these questions and then... I met my um, my husband, who's now my ex-husband, but um, he he lived in Bali, and through this kind of amazing, I guess, 
whatever you want to call it from the universe, I ended up spending a lot of time over there and that's a very, very spiritual place. It's mm. a very healing place. I got introduced to lots of different modalities that started to have an effect on me mentally and emotionally. Um, so breath work, meditation. I'd never meditated before. I'd mm. never – it just wasn't part of who I was. I, I was like, I can't sit still. I'm <laughs> like a little energizer bunny. I constantly need to be busy and moving. And, uh, you know, that, and that first foray into just sitting with my own thoughts, oh, mm. Horrific. <laughs> I, I struggled with that today. Yeah. 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 You know, it's um because you actually start to realise that you're not a nice person. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> All the thoughts and I'm like, I don't. If I met me, would I be friends with me? No. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And um, so there was all of these things and... Um, and Adrian, my husband at the time, was like, you, you know, he kind of gave me an ultimatum before we moved to Bali. He was like, you need to have a look at your, your situation because it's becoming untenable for me. You're angry all the time. You're disconnected. Mm. You're, you know, you've just, and you can't even see it. And that was my wake-up call. So that was, I was like, right, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'll do whatever I need to do to, to just, to really... Look at the hard truths. Someone's saying this to me for a reason. It's time for me to step up and, and have a look. And the most powerful practice that I found over there was kundalini yoga. And that's where the, the arm hold comes from, mm. is that really pivotal moment in a practice or when you're looking at yourself where you're faced with you. Do you mm. know what I mean? You're faced, you're looking into a mirror and you're like, do I like what I see? And if I want to make change, what am I willing to do to make those changes? Nobody else is going to change me. Mm. I have responsibility for this. I am accepting responsibility for where I am and I'm the only one that can change it. And there's power in that because there is. Mm. You know what I mean? Once you accept responsibility for where you're at, then you have the power to be able to change it. Yeah. And so I started doing all of these practices, bringing them into my day. We were doing breath work sessions and ice baths and yoga and meditation, all this sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, the whole day is gone with all these things. And I was feeling amazing. And my life was changing and I was becoming a much um, calmer, more centred, more present person. And I was like, but the teacher in me was like, I need to share this. Like, I need to be mm. able to share this with the world. This is what my clients have been missing. This is what people have been missing, this combo. But there was nothing. There was no workout out there that sort of combined all of it. It was always there's your gym session or there's your yoga session, there's a meditation, there's that over there. It was all separate. And um, I was like, who's got the time to do all of these things like in a day? Four different hours of the day. Exactly. And expensive and, and yeah. you know... So I was like, I'm going to create a workout that combines all of those different modalities into one, even if you just get a taste of it all, mm. and I'm going to smush it into 45 minutes. Mm. And that's what I did with Kaya. It's four pillars of health, four modalities, 45 minutes, and you're done. And then obviously the DJ in me is like, well, this needs a killer soundtrack <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I need that motivation too. So, you know, what music? Mix the music. There's a big journey. It's an experience. Yeah. And, um, and it's had some incredible, incredible feedback and just the momentum behind it has been so good because people are really connecting to, I guess, themselves. 
mm. for the first time. They're really understanding their own potential. They are realising that they're much stronger than they think and that they've actually been their own roadblock or their own obstacle in, the, in their own growth. And as, I guess, um, you know, as that can be quite a hard truth to hear, mm. but it can also be a very liberating one because you're like, oh, my God, now I know I can... Yeah, well, once you know what's wrong, you can make a change. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, like I felt something today. I haven't shared this with you yet. Um, but so when I was sitting there and I think, I can't remember when it was. I think it was like one of the, sec- it was after the workout mm-hmm. when we were kind of closing our eyes and stuff and we were trying to think about things. And I just, I was just, I feel stockpiled up with thoughts. Yes. And I feel like, like I felt like these are all in the way and I can't do the meditating thing. Cause I, I, so I've never been able to meditate, right? So I have this morning routine thing. Yeah, you're probably laughing because you probably already know this just by looking at me. But like I have a morning routine, which I kind of see as my meditation thing. So I, I, I call it, it was originally called like the gratitude list, right? Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, call it the thank bank or something like that. So I was like, okay. The thank bank. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what it sounds like. Yes. And that's why I thought it was funny. So, so anyway, like I kind of like rattle off these things like, I, I have a list of family members and friends that I read I'm grateful for mm-hmm. and then I I say these things that I want to be or that I am or that I kind of you know so like I, an affirmation I want, yeah yes. like I am thoughtful I am generous yes. I am you know all these kinds of things I have like a it, like the list gets longer every day it's like so now it takes me like 15 minutes to read out <laughs> sometimes I'm like I don't know if I have the time for this today <laughs> um, and then I go through and ask for the things that I I'm aspiring for mm-hmm. and then I read all these quotes like some from the bible some from things that I pick up some from books that I'm reading and stuff so I love that. so that's kind of like my I guess my version of meditation yes. right but I can never sit still and just kind of think like I just I feel so kind of I don't know what the word is like just overwhelmed with thoughts mm-hmm. that when we were doing that I can see where you wanted me to be but I felt like that was like 50 thoughts away and I, I need more than 45 minutes to sit there with uh, like that's one thing I faced today just from having I guess yeah. that space because my life feels very full at yes. the moment and that was like a an experience where you're saying I'm the I am the roadblock yeah I mean I guess it comes down to having an outcome right so meditation isn't about clearing your mind or you know it's 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 about being able to just observe yourself and your thoughts in that moment without any judgment so even if there are 45 thoughts in front of it and you've got no hope of connecting i might even you might not even hear me what i'm saying mm. and that's okay it's pure observation and becoming aware of the fact that you are sitting here the fact that there is this thought machine mm. that is running constantly in your mind and once you become the observer of that then you realize that you are not your thoughts because Mm. you're actually observing your thoughts so Mm. who is it that is sitting there in observation it's that's you Mm. you know and your thoughts are a combination of your ancestors your upbringing people around you what's right in front of you today what Mm. was in front of you a year ago, it is this kind of pool, swamp sometimes of mm. just subconscious stuff and conscious stuff and worries and fears and concerns and conditioning and beliefs and value. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into why we think the way that we think and it gets programmed into us at a very, very young age when we're mm. actually not 
we don't have the rational capability to process and choose whether or not we want to retain that thought as a belief. So that's how we get brought up, you know. Mm. And sometimes in meditation, the more consistently you can do it, you can sit there and actually question those thoughts. Is this something that I really, really believe? Or is this something that is potentially going to limit my growth? Um, you know, and I think just reflecting back on the last couple of years, especially with COVID and um, how our lives have been thrust into this really, really confronting moment where we've been thrown together with people 24 hours a day and, you know, or away from people, um, we've started to really question everything, authority, mm. the, the media, the things that we get fed, and, and we've had to really start to rely on our own um, sort of radar around what's truth for us and what's not truth. And I think being able to sit in that space where um, we know that the things that are going through our mind, those thoughts, um, we can pick and choose which ones that we want to either um, you know, carry out or the ones that don't particularly have much relevance to us anymore. Mm. And meditation allows those thoughts to start to slow down and, and kind of um, become ordered, if, if so to speak. And like anything... Consistency is key. So you can't do one meditation and be like, I can't do this. I'm terrible at it. Yeah. Like, of course you're going to be, you know. Yeah. It's one of those things where you go, I'm committed. Start with five minutes. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, and just have no expectation of an outcome. There mm. is no, if you sit there and have your mind just this junky kind of trash can of whatever of stuff, great. You've sat there for five minutes. Yeah. There is no such thing as a bad meditation. Yeah. The fact that you showed up mm. and did it and committed to it, that's where you need to pat yourself on the back. And over time, it will get... I mean, you weren't born like this. Come on. Well, were you? I don't know. You had no. to work for your muscles. Was, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> so, um, it's like that. It's building mm. a muscle. And mm. it's all it is. It is meditation, sitting with yourself and, you know, showering yourself in a little bit of... And it doesn't even ha doesn't have to be this love affair to start off with. It just has to be a bit of patience and a bit of kindness. Mm. I'm doing the best that I can with the things that I've been given, and um, and know that I just want to walk out of today a little bit better than I did yesterday. Mm. And if I didn't, tomorrow is another day. Everything yeah. is impermanent. Like you don't have to carry. You know, we always have the opportunity in every moment to switch or pivot or change or. You know, mm. it is literally one breath away. Yeah, I was always too... I'm better now, believe it or not, than when I was previously. Mm. Like, when I was a face-to-face -face personal trainer, Yeah. you know, which, like, you know, you can relate to in terms of just being clients and, you know, all, all the time. I was too busy to even think of that. Like, now that I'm... So, I've transitioned from face-to-face -face online. Yes. I did that because, well, the primary reason was I wanted more time to learn and actually become a better trainer. So more yeah. education, so time to study and stuff because I didn't have that time. But I kind of see it as, I guess I also slowed down as well because I had time to, like I felt like I was frustrated with myself because yes. I was just in the physical, like you were saying, I was just sessions, sessions, book people in. Oh, I got a half an hour, I can make that busier. So it was kind of like, yeah. how can I make my life busier? And I suppose that's a manifestation of like- And what, are, like you, what, what are you avoiding? 
by yeah. trying to fill your day with yeah. all of this stuff? I think those are the questions as well. It's like it's the space between the spaces that we need to look at. Like why mm. am I trying to – what am I – scared of seeing what am i not wanting to confront what yeah. is it that i don't want to create space for yeah. right now those are the things that we need to actually put some energy and attention yeah. into well i was making myself busy in the things that i knew i was good at right. but say like even just from a business perspective i wanted to leverage like scalability being able to coach people online and yes. stuff but that was an area that I struggled with because I don't know anything about online coaching. Like it was early. There was no blueprint. There was yeah. no like, oh, this is what you do. You just have a website and la, la, la. There was none of that. So I was like, I wanted to go there in my mind. But I was like, oh, it's easy. And it's like more guaranteed to just get sessions and get clients. So it kind of prolonged. Like I got in my own way once again. I prolonged my where I wanted to go by making myself busy doing the easy thing where I needed to do the hard yes. thing. And I suppose that's what you kind of talk about with Kaya is like that space yeah, in between definitely. Like knowing what to do, not knowing what to do and kind of... And also know that there's a human that. being behind this as well and I was faced exactly with the same um, with the same issue as you. So I opened a studio when I moved back to Australia. I hadn't... Um, I had been sort of road testing Kaya. It was a different version. It was called something different in Bali. Okay. And after the first year of COVID, we moved back to Australia just to visit family. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to um, I'm gonna teach a few classes just to see how it's received in my hometown. Um, and it just kind of took off. And I said to Adrian, my husband at the time, I was like, I really want to stay and see if I can make a go of this because I feel like there's, it's got some potential. And he was like, great. So we stayed. I found a little studio space in Bondi. Three months of teaching. Amazing. Started to build the community. Classes were going well. Lockdown. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is new. <laughs> do you know what I mean? What do I do? Studio had to close. Just started getting momentum. Uh, I was like, I'd never turned on Zoom in my life. Yeah. Like I'd never, I didn't even, didn't have a clue what it was. Um... And I said in my, because, you know, I'm quite impulsive sometimes and I will say things and I'm like a speak first, think later about, you know, kind of person. Um, I said to my, because I didn't want to lose the momentum that I'd gained. And I also knew that during this period of isolation, I really wanted to start to try and look after my client's mental health because it's so important during that time yeah. as well as their physical health. And I knew that time. Kaya did that and they knew it. Yeah. So I said, right, during the lockdown... I'm going to teach a free online class every single morning until the lockdown is finished. I mean, who oh, does that? Oh, no. Not, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, it's going to go for two weeks. Yeah. 78 days later, I'm still showing up every single morning. In the meantime, this thing had started growing and mm. I had to learn how to use Zoom and my whole like setup, everything as we went. I had days where the everything you what yeah. i mean internet would go off microphone would fall down batteries ran out like it was an <laughs> yeah. absolute shit show but it was so funny and yeah. you know it was happening in the moment but it got to the point two months into it i was having you know up to 700 people a day globally wow. joining yeah. my free zoom class um and i don't even know if it was for the workout i think it was for this space that people knew they could come to and feel supported, feel seen, feel heard, feel connected, mm. feel part of a community. Um, you know, we do the... Cl I'd always open it with, like, a 
daggy kind of 80s, because so, I'm a diehard 80s fan, <laughs> some you know, ridiculous 80s song dancing around because I wanted people to feel comfortable and like if I'm going to be a fool, then you have they permission be to fool. be a fool, yeah, that's right. yeah, you know, um, and let's all kind of come and be fools together in this really crazy time. I mean, look at what's happening in the world. It's so bizarre. Mm. Um, and then we do the workout. But then afterwards I'd sit and just listen. And I think as a teacher, um, we don't listen enough to our clients. And so, were they needs. able to speak? Yeah. So you didn't like no one muted or no. Anything? Everybody was muted, but I would. They, you know, who wants to share something? Okay, such and such wants to share. Yeah. Great, and everybody could hear it. And you know, people were typing in the chat, and I mean, it was wow. just yeah. amazing. And um, I mean, some of the stories that came out of this experience, there was a woman who hadn't left her house in 18 months and she had this incredible fear of, I mean, it just culminated in so much. And my mantra, as you can see in Kaya, is, can you see that? I can do this, I am doing this. And it's about being present and it's about believing in yourself and it's about just, and it's one more breath, one more rep. One more breath, one more rep. And we were on the call together with this woman and there was about 500 people on the call and we were on the phone with her and she walked out of her front door in front of everyone and she was, I can do this, I am doing this. And she walked out to the gate and she walked down her street about 500 metres and we were cheering and she was there and she was doing it. Wow. I mean, like I get teary thinking about and there were stories like that every day. People finding the courage to leave an abusive relationship. People finding the courage and the self-belief to, you know, ask for a promotion. People just finding the courage to love themselves a little bit more. And, and literally daily there was stories. My Instagram was just getting inundated with just, I have to share with you. I had to share with you. This happened. This happened. Um, and so when the lockdown sort of was coming to an end, I was like... <laughs> stay so inside everyone totally yeah. my captured audience yeah. it's not safe <laughs> yeah. uh, but I was like okay I can't abandon all of these people when mm. the studio opens again yeah. what am I going to do so I um, I created an online platform and I created a virtual studio which we're sitting in at the moment and I created this online space where people could still come and experience all the workouts and connect um, in the same way that they did and have those shared experiences. And well, what I did find was that, you know, I, I love online. I, I, it's, it's obviously allowed me to scale mm. and it brings in a global audience. But for me, I still love being in a room with, with people as well. And today was the first, one of the first classes that I taught um, in a long time. Mm. And I, the energy is palpable, especially with the practice that I, I do. It's You feel it. And people feed off that group energy. It's yeah. like a real motivating kind of um, thing. It's like there's an electricity in the air. and It's like camaraderie. You're all striving towards the same thing. Yes. Like, towards the end, people were making sounds. sounds. They were being loud. Like, I had, like there was a lady beside me that was kind of laughing, so maybe she was a bit... Like, oh, a bit uncomfortable. But no, like no. So, she, so that was Leisha. She's a huge client of mine online. Oh, right. Okay. And She's a laugher? No. So she, I said to her, I was like, Leisha, you were like, because people, la it's all a release, right? Laughing, crying. Yeah, sounds, I was all for it. Not, I was like, yeah. it's just expression. But she actually shared with me. She said, you know what, Leah? I am going in next week for some pretty life-changing surgery. I'm going to be out for a month. Um, and she said, when you said 
pain is the gateway to transformation, I started laughing because I was so scared of this surgery that I'm mm. going to have. And now I realise that the reason I'm having it is to transform my life, to bring a little bit more comfortability mm. and, you know, this is going to change me physically and it's going to change my life. And I started laughing because you've just you've literally just flipped that switch in my head. Right. So now I see it as nothing to be afraid of. It is yeah. something that is literally going to be this – it's going to – my life is going to be better after mm. this and that's why I started laughing. Wow. And so, um, you know, it is. It's, it's all of these realisations where you have these conversations in your mind and you're the one that does the healing for you. Mm. Nobody else is doing it. I'm not doing it. Mm. I'm not standing there with a gun to your head asking you to stand like with your arms. You're, you're doing it mm. because you know down at some base level that you have more in the tank, you have more to give, mm. you have more potential, you have more strength, more capacity, more, 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 you know, and if I can do that, what else can I do in Yeah, my what life? else can I do? It kind of invites you in for what else you can do. Yes. I love that quote that you were saying. I actually forgot it. I wanted to ask you about it. The pain is the gateway to, to transformation. transformation. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, because yeah. it is. It's through. If you think about when pressure is applied to certain things, things need to restructure. If you think about how a, a butterfly, you know, is formed. If you think about how a diamond is formed, it's mm. carbon under pressure. Things under pressure are forced to restructure themselves. Mm. And um, look at what gets born yeah. from it it's this beautiful metamorphosis of um really having to go through that tight squeeze that bottleneck mm. of mm, it's uncomfortable and that's when most people flame out i don't know if you've seen the kubler-ross change curve no but um so it tracks what happens during change and so you'll have an event you'll have this kind of questioning there'll be denial there'll be anger there'll be frustration you're going down 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 you get to the bottom most people in that moment will sort of, it's called flame out. They'll run back to the comfortability of their old habit, their old mm. behavior, their old pattern. If you can sit in that space, just beyond what you think, you start to move up the curve. Mm. You start to move up into a place where you experiment around what this could look like for my life. My life. You start to move up into that place of self-belief and it starts to gain momentum and then that is where this change, this transformation um, really starts to manifest in mm. your life. And you can be in different stages of it in different areas of your life all the time. So it's not just like, oh, I'm here and that's where I am. But um, to understand that there is this curve um, can maybe help you stick in that bottom yeah. bit for a little bit longer because you know that there's going to be a light, there's going to be a big upswing at the end of that tunnel. and. Yeah. I always come back to if something's really difficult, something's really hard, if we're going through a tough time, if there's a lot of pain, am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Mm. I can go through this a little bit longer. You know, the world's not falling you down. My arms aren't going to fall off. <laughs> like they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, so why do you think people flame out? Because personally I'm very much love that ideology like yeah. the i think the ways that my life has changed has been they've kind of had to be in extreme circumstance where it's like very hard or like yes. you know like i've when i first moved so i was born in christchurch new zealand and mm. we had earthquakes so i was the last year of high school 
there was not much going on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what do I do? Um, and actually, I was in a band at the time. Um, I, was a, I was in a boy band. Right? A boy band? A boy band. Yeah, five <laughs> singers. And we were from Christchurch. And I was like, we need to push. Because like, who knows where Christchurch is? Yes. Like, no one. No one. People don't even know that it exists. Mm. If anywhere in New Zealand, Auckland. Like, and then we can think about bigger places later. Maybe Australia. Maybe America. I was thinking big when I was young. That's and I was so like, good. so like I had a Honda Civic, right? My dad <laughs> bought it for me off my brother's ex-girlfriend for $500. It was like rusty <laughs> piece of shit. Had no registration, no warrant and an oil leak. I took it the day before I left. No, on the day I left and I was like, can I get a warrant? And he goes, nah, you're going to need like to wait till Monday because you got, you need too much help. And I said, well, I got a ferry to catch on Saturday. So I just left. No warrant, no rego, all my stuff packed in a car. Uh, didn't it? Dad gave me $800. <laughs> when I arrived to Auckland, I had to spend it on the car to fix it. So I had no money, right? <laughs> but like, so that was hard. That mm. was like emotionally hard, right? I, I'd had, I didn't know anyone in Auckland. I slept on a friend or I had a friend. I slept on his couch for two months, probably a month too long that he liked. Yes. Right? And I was sleeping on, it wasn't a bed. It was kind of like a coffee table with a mattress on it beside the dishwasher. So it was like, you know, my life was like a bit of mayhem, but on the back of that, I learned how to ask for things, mm -hmm. like to go and get things. I had no job, right? So I was a singer, but like we all know musicians, if you don't make it, you don't make much money. So yeah. I had like no money and I had no friends or anything. So in that time of hardship, I was like crying myself to sleep most nights, right? And I was reading every night. I was like really trying to believe myself. But that was like one of the hard times in my life. But that's where I grew the most in terms of like being independent or making money to pay bills or pay my friend that I was sleeping on the couch with, like all that type yes. of stuff. Like I'm a huge fan of that. And I didn't flame out once. But why do you think people flame out? Because I don't think people have a, a goal or a compass that they can see beyond the situation that they're in. Mm. You had this vision. You yeah. were like, I want to be here, mm. right? So what are the steps I need to take to get there? And you had that in the back of your mind the whole time. You had... A purpose. Mm. And I don't think most people have a purpose. Mm. So they reach this bottom part where all they can see is the hard mm. and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I don't think that – I think it's – when people talk about finding your purpose, it's not as easy as some people think. There's a lot of people <laughs> yeah. that aren't born with a purpose – yeah. Um, I knew at a very young age that although it wasn't um, clear in terms of health and wellness, I was meant to be a teacher mm. of something. Mm. I was always going to be somebody that, um, you know, I was – I loved being on stage. I loved performing, whatever capacity that was. But, you know, my sister, unclear. No specific kind of – direction you know no real passion mm. nothing and there's nothing wrong with that but I think that um people are so especially nowadays we define purpose as, as having some big global impact where it doesn't have yeah. to be that yeah. your purpose might be being the best homemaker or the best mother or the best you know it mm. could be and whatever that looks like to you that could be your purpose and there's a lot of integrity in that purpose. Mm. Um, it could just be my purpose right now is figuring out what my purpose is. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? And it can change. Well, you have to spend time figuring it out. That's like, right. Even with my one, like I spent years, like I told you I had a little experience at, well, not little experience, it was actually years of my life, but at church from like 14 to 22. Yes. I was heavily involved. I was there almost every day, like gave up sport for it. Mm. And like music was my thing. I was singing all the time. But I spent so many, and like I, I, I really don't care that I say this, like I, I cried a lot, like I had so much stuff to deal with. Yes. Kind of like the thoughts I was saying like I had today in the class. Like I had to get them out of the way before I could focus on anything else. And I still have those thoughts there. But like it was like I had stuff I had to deal with from like when I was young, I lost my mum. So that sort of stuff, mm. that kind of never goes. <laughs> but like, no, but you but, learn to but manage it. But I chipped it. away at yeah. it and I was like trying to make sense of it. Like, okay, what does that mean? Like does that, you know, because I like as soon as that happened, I was like I'll just live to make my mum proud, right? But then that... That worked as a fuel, but then that's kind of empty as well because it's like, well, she would already be proud. Of course. So then I was just, well, was, well as soon as I thought of that, I was like, well, then well, <laughs> what else do I strive for? I got no other purpose. It was just that. So like I spent time chipping away at that. Like purpose doesn't come overnight. You no. really have to think about it. And like, Absolutely. yeah, I kind of like had to break down to, I guess, you know, ashes for the phoenix to rise, if you, if you put it that way. So I could actually mm. rise and be like, okay, I have a greater purpose than just making my mum proud, which is already proud. You know, I mm. want to do this and I want to do that. And I think it's so important that people share their stories because for every inspiring story like this, where someone's actually found their purpose and are living it in a meaningful way, there's mm. 20 stories of people that just have just, you know, descended down into the other side of that, which is like mm. addiction and, you know, there's so there's and and I don't think that we should gloss over how difficult it is sometimes to attach to a purpose, to mm. find a purpose, to live with purpose. What does it even mean to have a set of values that we that we live to? I mean, one mm. of the things that I say in the class is say what you mean, mean what you say. And, you know, it's a simple saying, but easier said than done. You know, mm. we live in a society where expectation and um, perception is everything. How we are perceived by somebody else, nine times out of ten is going to be the driving force behind our behaviours. It's mm. not how we think of ourselves. It's how is what I do going to come across to you? Yeah. And why do I care about that? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? What you think of me is none of my business. Mm. And that is a universal truth. If we could all sort of subscribe to that, I think we could... L walk around with a little bit more self-belief rather than trying to fit into these little moulds of, you know, how we think people... Because to be honest with you, I don't even think people think about other people as much as we think we're thought about. <laughs> that makes yeah, exactly. Sense yeah, well, I think, like, you to know? put it simpler, like, no one cares about you. No one cares about but, you. Like, we have... So, like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, I say that a lot when people ask me, like, oh, I have gym anxiety or, like, you know, I think people look no at me. No one's looking like, at you. No one yeah. even remembers you. Like, they're <laughs> exactly. so fixated on themselves, you know, but we're thinking, yeah. oh, everyone's looking at me. But I know. The truth I is know. no one really cares. No, and... Um, you know, and if we put the same level of attention on what other people think of us onto what we think of us, yeah. oh, my God, like we'd have a lot more integrity. We'd be walking around with a lot more self-belief, a lot more compassion for ourselves, a lot more self-love. Mm. Um, but, look, I think I love the fact that now um, we're having these conversations. I yeah. love the fact that there is a huge focus on mental well-being and emotional health. Mm. I love the fact that when we talk about fitness now and good health, it encompasses and includes things like, um, you know, having balanced emotions, 
connecting to your heart, all of these things that would have been perceived as being so woo-woo and so taboo, Mm. even 10 years ago, um, is now becoming so mainstream and so talked about and so necessary, I think, to... You know, it's coming into schools, meditation and mindfulness practices coming into schools. I mean, who... We were still getting our underpants checked (laughs) when I was at school. (laughs) Lifting up my skirt, making sure I had grey underpants on. I mean... Mind blown, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How far we've come, thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm really encouraged around the conversations that we're having and I, and I sometimes go on to podcasts with like 20-something and they ask me about the universe and I'm like, God, when I was 20, the universe? Like yeah. what was that? That was never even a conversation that we're having. So I think it's heading in the right direction mm. and I love that we can sit here as two physical fitness trainers and have an esoteric conversation about how we feel and that that not be weird. Um, I love the fact that, you know, all of these um, places, these gyms and um, are bringing in meditation and yoga and things Mm. into their spaces that really can support people on a different level as well as just physical fitness. It it makes... it really makes me think that we're heading in the right direction and we're, we're going to be okay. Yeah, I think we're also <laughs> like, uh, acknowledging the root problem. I think yeah. often fitness, and I've you know, experienced this personally, but fitness is often just a, what is it, like a manifestation of what's going on. Like you're, yes. you're trying to, you know, let's say it's pretty common for like people to be insecure about their bodies, right? So they will just work really hard to fix that in the gym by putting on muscle, maybe dropping dropping body fat, which mm. can be great for self-esteem and confidence, but it doesn't get to the root problem no. of why you may feel unhappy or, you know, on a deep level, not just, oh, my arms, you know, I wish they were, you know, two centimetres higher. And, but why do you wish they were two centimetres higher? Who are you comparing yourself mm. to? And is that, um, is that a, a societal problem of we've projected that this is the ideal like you know there's so much in the space now with body positivity and we're seeing all different shapes and sizes of women on catwalks in advertising and I think it's really really important and you know what's really interesting is women of my age so I'm in my middle 40s we were brought up on that um very thin everything Mm. was airbrushed you know we had this real kind of 90s early 2000s aesthetic of what was beautiful and I now see 20-year-olds walking down the street so confident in their bodies, crop tops and, you know, everything's kind of out and they're just walking around like, look at me, I'm owning all this, whereas women my age would be like, oh, I couldn't... Because it's just something that's... It's a belief that's ingrained mm. in you. Um, and and I'm loving watching just all the confidence that is oozing out of um, our yeah. youth, our millennials. It, it, it makes me... It makes me really happy to see that they are embracing shapes, sizes, yeah. you know, all of it. It's well, um, Yeah, I think it's health at all levels as well. Like you're saying, it's not just the physical aspect because you could have yeah. that physical, you know, look like an absolute beast but have zero confidence, 100%. you know. And now, uh, but, but I, I guess one thing I hope is it doesn't go the other way where we're just so confident and we're taking away from the physical health aspects. Yeah. I see that sort of stuff too and I, I'm, I'm all for... But you know body positivity, but I'm also all for actually being healthy, That's which is right. like a different aspect. You know, yes. like they. You want to make sure that they're not. There's no. It's not laziness disguised as. Um, mm. Oh, you know, 
own it. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, no, I just love myself enough. It's like, yeah. well, you know, there's no. a difference between Yeah, because being... obesity is a thing and yeah. health practices. But look, again, can't please everybody all of the time. Mm. Um, do you, and that's, I think, and, and what we share, as long as it's evidence-based in, uh, in so much as, um, you know, I, I don't, I like a little bit of scientific backing and the things that I like to share. Yeah. Um, because that makes me feel comfortable and um, credible and yeah. that it's coming from a place of, you know, it's been peer-reviewed. and yeah. So nothing that I do is made up. I don't pluck it out of yeah. thin air. Yeah, it's, well, actually, that's what I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed, like your exercise selection today. Like if we go on like the, yes. the, you know, the physical level because that's why I don't like group classes sometimes because it's very just get a sweat. And there's no thought of, yeah. are we actually moving correctly? Or are we choosing good exercises? I am, like, that's why I talk all the time because I'm <laughs> cueing constantly. Yeah, I loved it. I, I do. Upper, lower, push, pull. You know, mm. I like isometric holds. I like eccentric and concentric phases. I'm still very much rooted in um, good technique mm. and um, safety first, you know. And also modifications. If you can't do something correctly, come into a position where you can feel the benefit, but still, you mm. know, so that you're not compromising your safety or your technique. And I, and I, and again, I think this is one of the things that you have to face when you're teaching online is that I can't see a lot of the people, yeah. right? Their videos are off. Yeah. So I'm just having to trust in my own ability to cue, their own ability to listen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my ability to demonstrate um, and hopefully that all kind of culminates in some form of a correct technique. Yeah. Um, but as long as your principles are correct that's and, you're, right. and you're cueing correctly, yes. then it's safe. Exactly. Because I have a similar thing, right? So when people sign up to Team Brock Ashby, whatever program they decide, there's like, so I've done like a detailed maybe one minute to, depending on the exercise, sometimes they take longer, one minute to three or four minutes tutorial yes. on how to do it. And it's not just me doing it and like, yeah, look at me. It's like me coaching a client through it. So right. I, it's like so, so many hours doing that. Like just, I'd ask like a PT friend, hey man, can I come film you? You know, I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> so we're going to do a dumbbell chest press with a neutral grip, then a pronated grip, yeah, then a I 45 mean, there's degree. There's so many different yeah. variations. So I would do yeah. all the videos. So like they all have them. But once again, I don't have, I'm not watching, you no, know. No, you um, have to just. Sarah in America yes, do yeah. her workouts. Like she just has access to the app. And Sarah, if you're watching, <laughs> yeah. we're watching. Nail it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but as, like, like you're saying, as, as long as it's based in, you know, yes. efficacy and, it, and it's efficient that's and it right. works, then you're And good. you know what? And I think that's what. I mean, I'm also like, don't try and reinvent the wheel. A squat mm. is a squat. Oh, yeah. Why are we trying to make it fancy? Why are we trying to deconstruct it? Why are we trying to do Like it's an effective workout. It's a functional movement. Mm. It's like I feel like there's so much trickery nowadays in like everybody's trying to have a point of difference. And I know that me sitting here having created something, but um, I just think with movement, less is more in 100%. terms of, you know, go to what works. Mm. You can still make it fun, um, but it doesn't always have to be new and, and tricky and, you know, because I feel like if, that's where you start to lose people. I find... Um, you know, if people can't see themselves in space, like half the people don't even know they're left from their right. No. You know, to, well, some people to, think they're doing a squat perfectly and you're looking at them going, that's not a great squat. Totally. And so, you know, try and I try to keep it as um, as fun as possible, but as, you know, not as com not complicated and um, and really try and bring movements in that people would do mm. on a day to day basis. So yeah. bending, 
and lifting up, lots of rotation, lateral side stuff, squatting, um, you know, and and because that's what's going to support people what we moving do. forward. It's what we do, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, well, that's like what I dislike about social media and we're on social media, so I guess, yeah. you know, we have this backing that we can talk confidently from, but... Like even with TikTok and stuff like the like the videos that are going viral are people doing crazy exercises that no one would ever do in real life, no. and it's almost like the harder the better. Yes. Or like the more the more complex the better. Like I'm standing on one leg, but I'm you know holding a kettlebell here and a yeah. dumbbell here, and I'm doing a deadlift. <laughs> Having a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how many things can I do at once? Yes. But like, it's like like the way I say it, like the more complex something is, the more unstable it is yes. and when you're less stable as you know you're not strong and, and you know someone's going to go and try and do it and yeah. i think that's where i start going oh you're doing this why are you doing this mm. it's to get it's for shock value it's, it's for an engagement it's post. an engagement post and um you know yeah we're all impressed it's great but you wouldn't do this like in every day but again look it, i'm not here to judge anybody else's no. um techniques all I know is that um, what's worked for me and what's worked for Kaya and what's worked for my clients and your clients, obviously, is mm. this kind of tried and tested, results-driven. Yeah. Because it's basically around... People just want results, you know. Yeah, that's what they um, pay for. That's what they pay for. That's what mm. they come for. And um, and they're getting it. Mm. So, job done. Yeah, don't change I think. it. Yeah. Actually, one thing I loved about your class that I want to touch on a little bit is I was telling you about, like, the spiritual aspect. Yes. So, I... As you know, I spent from 14 to 22 like in church heavily. Like I was mm. a singer, I was writing songs, I was speaking, not necessarily like preaching, but yes. I was speaking, yeah, right, yeah. sharing things. Um, wrote songs out of experience, had all these kind of great times through it and grew a lot personally. So from 14 to 22, that is usually when you all go partying, go drinking, pursue mm -hmm. girls, pursue men, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, I was in church, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, was, I was writing songs, you know, and, and I think that's actually where I grew up a lot because yes. I had um, a lot of mentors at the time that were like 30, 40, 50, 60, speaking wisdom over me. And yeah. usually that's when you're not being wise, right? You're just kind of learning, right? So I was like learning in a different way. <laughs> learning through your mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was learning through, I guess, foresight. And yes. like, you know, this is... Through other people's Yeah, mistakes. this is a great way to live, you know? <laughs> yeah. so, so I was doing that, but... Today when I was sitting there, I was, um, so I used to, and this is going to get slightly, I guess, churchy if you want to put it that way. But like, so when I was sitting there with my hands out like this, so at church often a lot, you know, you would feel like warmth on your hands, yes. right? And, you know, that can be whatever you, you're experiencing. It could be Jesus, it could be the Holy Spirit, it could be whatever, or maybe your just hands are warm, right? But you have this kind of sensation, I should say. And I had that today. And maybe that was just because my arms were throbbing <laughs> or like, but, but I... <laughs> or was it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Or like, yeah, but I kind of felt it, I guess, what I see it as now is like energy. Kind yes. of like in my hands. 100%. And I had this kind of, you know, my eyes were closed and stuff. And I had to kind of get comfortable with it because I haven't done it in a while. Like sat there with my eyes closed and really be with my thoughts while my arms are up there. And I was kind of like thinking things. But I had this, I guess, spiritual feeling and like this, I guess, spiritual encouragement. Like you can do it type yes. of thing. Because like this kind of warm, I guess, it felt like as if someone was grabbing my hands and like, Holding them up. I know this sounds weird, but yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I like mean... I had this feeling and and the thoughts that were in my head, it helped me because I felt like, okay, I need to get them out of the way so I can get get out of my own way mm -hmm. type of thing. I, I kind of made all these decisions for things that I had to think, but really quick that I've been maybe laying on for one or two weeks, decisions that I have to make. And I was like, 
bang, 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 like maybe three or four answered. And then that, like, you know, that was, I guess, a spiritual How long do you think you would have procrastinated or ruminated on these decisions 100%. had you not been pushed into a position where you were like, right, I'm here, I'm doing it. Yeah. I mean, amazing, mm. you know. And um, I, first of all, you were contending with a whole lot of new stuff. <laughs> Yeah. So I haven't sat yeah. for me. I haven't yeah. sat here with my eyes closed. I haven't sat here with my arms out. I haven't sat, I've, everything's hurting. I'm sweating. I've just done a workout, <laughs> the breath, like all of that stuff. So there's, you know, all of those things to take you out of the present moment. Mm. Um, and then you've got, you know, you're now being taken, catapulted back to a feeling that you had when you were at a really pivotal time in yeah. your life. Mm. Wow, what is that? Mm. Where? Why am I now getting this and why am I thinking about Like this is, you know, this is amazing. Um, and, and, and you're right. What you said is exactly right. It's energy. It mm. is energy. You are energy. You are made of it. it um, and we, we determine the quality of the energy that we cultivate for ourselves with every decision we make, with every thought that we have, with every emotion, you know, emotion is energy. Thoughts are energy. And they manifest in actions and behaviours. Mm. And so those actions and behaviours are either going to align with um, living uh, to your truth, living a set of values, living whatever, or you're going to have this thing called cognitive dissonance where it's saying one thing and doing another. Yeah. And the amount of energy that takes is mind-blowing. That's why we feel depleted at the end of the day. Mm. That's why we feel, you know, it's we don't notice it, but if you're if you've got anything that's going on in your life that is living in your head, a tough conversation you need to have, a habit that you want to break, mm. um, a recurring pattern, a relationship that you want to get out of, the amount of energy that that takes out of your day, out of your life, is enormous. Yeah. No wonder we're feeling, oh, you know, so we reach for that three o'clock chocolate hit or the <laughs> coffee or the whatever it is. You know, we try and get those um, dopamine levels, those serotonin levels back up. We're actually... It's our own behaviours mm. that is driving this energy slump. We need to address that. It's that root. That's what we're talking about. It's the mm. root cause, you know. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, I've, I've had this so many times in my life where you'll ruminate on something and you will create scenarios around something in your head or having to do something, the 3,000 different outcomes, the what if this happens, we go into the future, and the da, 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 and then you, you spend a day doing that, and oh my God, and blah, 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 and then you actually go and do the thing, and it's never as bad as no you think. Way. No way, never, right? Mm. Never. And you're like, why the hell did I spend so much time mm. thinking about all the ways that it could go wrong when actually I should have just gone and done it? <laughs> Yeah, I think, actually, there's a word for it. I think it might be, I think the zygonic or zygonic effect, but it's like having open loopholes and you just need to close them because, like, it's exactly yes, what you're talking you've about. you've got it's to plug that, them. Yeah, yeah, you have to stop it. Yeah. Yeah, or else it's just Yeah, we have keep, these feedback loops. Yeah, and, and we, like, you, yeah, the more we leave them, the more weight it kind of harbors. I guess if you look at it like if you're in a boat and there's holes everywhere, mm -hmm. like, if you just leave them, you're just going to keep sinking, but you need to, like... Yeah, we need to plug them all plug up. Them up. And the more we subscribe to these sort of feedback loops, it actually, they create neural pathways in our brain, mm. right? And they're like, it's like they're trenches. 
And so you can reprogram your brain. They've now proven that the brain is malleable. There's a thing called neuroplasticity. So Mm. we can actually fire new synapses, new connections, new neural pathways Mm. and things like breath work is amazing to do that. Flooding the body with oxygen, that real um, oxygen hit disrupting our natural breath cycle, retention of of carbon dioxide. You know, there's all these things that are starting to come into the mainstream where we can actually train our brain and improve our brain health, get it firing a little bit more, Mm. um, those connections, those synapses. And these are the things that are going to start to help us form new habits. Mm. And... The, the habitual things that we do in our life um, are going to determine the quality of our life. If you're mm. constantly reaching for the sugar, if you're smoking, if you're alcohol, if you're this and that, the other, and I'm not saying, oh my God, don't, you know, don't go and no one's asking you to be a monk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm certainly not a monk. Um, I like to have fun, I like to go out and do, do my thing, but it's not a habit. Mm. It's not a habitual thing that I have no control over. It's not something that controls me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not where I go to get my dopamine hit. It's not where I go to get my serotonin or those feel-good hormones. Yeah, your fulfilment. Mm. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately in society, those are the things that people go – because it's easy. It's a quick fix. It's that instant gratification. It's as bad as um, social media and um, getting those likes and, you know, that gives that instant thing, but it's not lasting. Mm. It's actually damaging Mm. and um, it – you know, what we want to try and do is to take back control over over our quality of life and not be at the mercy of – bad habits or, you Mm. know, and um, so for me, those combination, that combination of of practices that have gone into a Kaya class were the things that allowed me to take back control of my Mm. own happiness and my own well-being and my own mind and my own heart. It really connected me to how I was feeling, how I wanted to feel, Mm. Um, being able to look at myself in the mirror and know that even when I wasn't feeling great, I still was worthy of love and Mm. being loved and accepting love and giving love and the people around me would openly receive that and that's a really, really nice feeling. So Yeah, yeah. I like to look at the decisions that we make as I kind of had a, not really a vision, but like a kind of a picture, like when you walk through, let's say, the the bush. Mm -hmm. Every time you walk a path, it gets more... It, it gets easier to see, you know, the, the grass parts ways yeah. and there's, you know, more of a path on the ground. The more you walk that, the easier it gets to see and follow that path. Like when you make a decision, the first time you have no idea oh. what it's like and you're like, oh, you know, I'll try this and you do it once and then if you do it two times and three times, but then when you do it ten times, it's that like neuroplasticity thing you're saying, you can keep walking yes. down that path and it becomes familiar. But then if you want to say that's a habit now and say it's a bad habit, you're always reaching for a drink you reach for a drink again, like for a month, then you need to change it. It's like walking into a lost bush. You're like, this is unfamiliar. Don't know what's around the corner. It could be very hard. But the more you do it, like the more that path becomes clear and the previous path begins to grow over and become more lost. And, you know, and I think to that point and that analogy, and I love it so much, is, you know, we carve our paths um, and that Mm. can be for good habits or bad habits. If we want to deviate off that path into a different thing, Sometimes we just stop because no decision or inaction is also an action. 
mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So we don't have to replace this way with a different way all the time. Maybe yeah. we just have to replace this way with no way yeah, for a minute. Yeah. Just stop for like a second. Yeah. And you don't have to know where you want to go next. But you just have to know that you don't want to go that way anymore. Yeah. And take some time to really figure out what it feels like to have options. Mm. You know, I know that this is not serving me, this direction, this habit, this pattern. I don't know where I want to go next. By choosing to not go down that path, I've actually already made a decision. So that's, a, that's an action. That's a choice. Mm. And I'm just going to sit for a little bit and just be with this new way of being. Mm. And then hopefully the new behaviour, the new habit, the new pathway will show itself. It's not going to be me forcing my way through everything all of the time. Yeah. It's going to kind of... I'm going to allow myself to feel into it a little bit more. And, you know, and back to your point, I feel like we have this... We always feel like we want to be busy and doing yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, yeah. who am I if I'm not doing 20 things at once? And believe me, I'm the same as well. Yeah, you're like, I'm lazy or, you know, I should be doing more. But doing nothing is a choice. Mm. And I said this the other day to my class. I was like, you know, when we feel like nothing's happening, we feel like nothing's happening. But actually, when nothing is happening, um, we've actually created space for all of the things that we've set up in our life to happen, to actually happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We've actually sat back and gone, okay, now I'm just going to enjoy being in this moment where things can actually happen. Mm. Um, rather than throwing another thing in the way or pivoting again or going in a different yeah. direction. We don't ever allow time and space for things to actually just manifest. But that's so hard. Like, say... But like, see, don't, that's, like a, that's a belief. Okay, no, 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 no. So <laughs> let me finish my sentence. I'm saying that's hard when you have, like, say, social media, which is something that's easy just to grab and fill in time. Yes. Like, it's hard to do nothing to allow things to happen. Like, like yeah, I lo like, I wasn't saying personally. Like, obviously, I do struggle with, like, just yeah. sitting there being, but... Like, yeah, we don't have, like, boredom anymore. Like, no, I've, we I've, don't. So my wife pulls me up on it all the time because I'm like, it's quiet, right? And I'm like, let's put some music on. <laughs> and she's like, just sit there. Yeah. Like, or, like, in the totally. car. To be comfortable in silence. Yeah. I'm, is, not, I'm yeah. not the best at that because I'm like, it's just nice to have music on. <laughs> you know, I'm like, just put some music on or, you know, I'm just going to do this thing or do that thing. But So now that you know that this is potentially a little block for you, not being able to sit in silence or not yeah. being able to sit with your thoughts... If I were you, I would be like, okay, I'm going to take myself off for like a three-day silent retreat. Is that like not speaking or just... <laughs> not speaking, no tech, being with your thoughts. Um, oh, I know. I'll have to plan Challenging. That. I might do that when the baby's born. <laughs> <laughs> Make that nice and convenient. Your wife is going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Because it's like now you're like, okay, what are the harder things in my life? It's easy. I'm, I'm good mm. at all these things. I'm, I've, you know, I'm successful in all of these areas. Mm. Mm. I know that I'm actually not getting fulfillment from mm. continually doing those things over and over because I know that I can do them. Mm. What would really um, allow me to harness a little bit more of my own potential is doing something that I know I'm terrible at, mm. that is going to be hard and that I'm probably going to dislike for the entirety of it. But, oh, my God, when I come out of that, if I do it, it's like fasting or doing any of those things mm. that, you know, the minute that you tell someone that you can't have something... You just want it That's all, all the time. Yeah. If you're deprived of it, then, oh, my God, give me that thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Flip that conversation. I like to think about fasting not as a deprivation, but it's a fast track mm. to, 
you know, potential, a fast track to breakthrough. a breakthrough. It's a fast track, you know, and it's it's three days of your life or it's five days of your life or it's a whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a terrible experience. It's the same thing, three days of silence. Oh, my God, imagine how much I'm going to know myself, <laughs> right? I'm scared of three days of... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrifying. You know, they did this study. I can't remember. I have to, I'll have to Google it or whatever. But they did a study um, in the States, uh, I think it was in the 90s or the early 2000s, where they hooked people up to an electric um, shock machine that delivered them like a pretty decent voltage of electric shock. And they gave them two options. They said, you can either sit for 15 minutes with yourself, with your thoughts... Mm. Or you can choose to shock yourself and come out of the experiment early. 68% of people yeah. chose to inflict physical pain by way of an electric shock just so they wouldn't have to sit with themselves for 15 minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes. This is how scared of our own psyche and our own thoughts mm. we are. That's what I find interesting. What would you take? Would you take the shot? Oh, 15 minutes all day, every day. I love yeah. sitting with my own thoughts. Yeah. I find it's like a carnival right. because I'm not attached to it. I'm not in it. I'm a spectator now at my yeah. thoughts. And it doesn't mean that they stop. It doesn't mean that they even get any less ludicrous <laughs> or ridiculous. It just means that I don't attach to them anymore mm. as um, becoming either an action, a behaviour, and sometimes they do, believe me, and you're about to embark on this. I have a four-year-old and a 13-year-old and sometimes they'll push me to the point where I will act without being able to catch that thought and I'll scream at them or I'll yell or something will come out, you know, and then I'll be like, had I, you know, would I have done that differently? Hell yeah. Mm. Um, but we learn. We learn from it. And let me tell you, the amount of time I now sit in um, d debating myself over whether I want to do something or sitting in that spiral of self-deprecation or sitting in that um, rabbit hole of, you know, whatever it is I get taken has been drastically reduced from like two hours to two minutes. Mm. And that's the muscle. That's the work. When never Yeah. When I don't think we designed to... Um, always have positive thoughts. I just don't think that that's the way that we are manufactured. I do believe, however, that we can choose how long we want to sit with those negative thoughts mm. um, and ask ourselves, is this thought going to add value to my life or is it going to take away? It's as simple as that. Mm. And if you can approach it from a pragmatic kind of rational place like that, then I think in certain situations, I mean, obviously there's going to be things like trauma and grief and heartbreak and all those things. And yes, feel the full spectrum of those emotions, go through it, release, cry, do all those things. Um, don't let it define you, mm. you know? I mean, how often have we been in the moment where it was like, oh my God, you've broken up with someone. It's the worst the worst day of your life, the worst things that ever happened, and then six months later you're like, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I Pain mean? Pain is the only way to transformation. Totally. It's, yeah. like, it's like you just you change your perspective and you change your view of a situation and all mm. it is, all we have, is our relationship to the event. Mm. And that goes for everything. And time 
is a great healer. You can reduce the amount of time simply by changing your view. But how do we keep that view consistent? It's through practices that raise the energy levels mm. in all of those areas of our life, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, keeping in good health, keeping that energy flowing, feeling good about ourselves, cultivating, mm. um, you know, good beliefs. And, and so Kaya is a tool to be able to help you keep those energy levels high so that you can be making good decisions, mm. thinking good thoughts, feeling good emotions and, um, you know... So what would you say to someone that struggles with dropping things like that, like dropping events? Because I'm, I'm all for, like, I guess my piece of advice would be like yours to, to express them. Yeah. To, like, I'm a big crier. Yes. Like, my wedding day was horrendous. <laughs> I was just crying my face off. There's, there's, a, there's not many That's good photos. Amazing. Like, the aisle walk is so bad. I was like, <laughs> like yeah, my wife's favorite one is like, I could show you later, but I'm just, like, my face is all screwed up and like, it was terrible. Like, I'm a big express myself kind of guy. Yes. Like, you know, I'll just like, I, I don't get angry too much, mm -hmm. but I will go quiet if I like have to deal with something because you know probably until I need to cry it out <laughs> it's just like I like, think it's beautiful like that if you allow I, yourself to be vulnerable like yeah, that yeah if I, I have things to deal with like and, and I have the same with my friend like I, he's like we'll cry it out and then we need a big sleep and then we'll wake up and it's like we're a new person like we have do you think thought, is that a cultural have, thing for you Would did were you were your, was your family emotional like that were they did they express themselves you or? know what not really no so not really. Like, my dad's not very emotional. Yeah. Like, um, like, we've always expressed ourselves, like, dad taught me guitar, like, like, okay. like, I guess, musically in that way. But I think that I got this way, th to be honest, through, like, church. Through the church, yeah. Yeah, because it was just, like, I did, like, like I was a rugby player. Classic New Zealand guy, want to be in the All Blacks, yes. play sport, rah, 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 right? Yeah, but then, masculine, masculine, yeah, macho, yeah, yeah. macho. Boy, and then boy, when boy. I got into music and started writing songs and started, like, going to church and stuff, I was open to this kind of different energy that was, like, singing, that was being a bit more kind of, I guess, open-minded yeah. and, like, dealing with my stuff. And, you know, like, once you've, like, cried in front of 500 people, and you're on stage with a guitar, like... Yeah, come at me, and like... And you can't sing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Whatever, exactly. I got you. <laughs> you can handle anything, right? Totally. So I was just like, I'm just going to go through it. Because so that's how I go through strength things. through vulnerability, mm. huge. Do you know what I mean? I think when you are... You don't, you don't become stronger by being your most confident self. You mm. become stronger by being your most vulnerable, mm. exposed self. When people can see you and you're like, holy shit, how do I deal with this? That's where yeah. you find that inner strength. That's where you find that inner fire. That's where you find that inner ability in yourself yeah. to be like, okay, I've got two choices here. I can crumble or I can really, you know. And sometimes, I mean, all crying is, crying and laughing and screaming, it, it's just an energy release. So you're mm. just shifting um, something that needs to move through mm. your body and it's the way that you're expressing it and I want to normalise crying. Yeah, me too. And men crying. I'm a huge fan. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll ask your wife. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. wait till your baby she, is born. Yeah, no, oh she, my God. Yeah, no, she gets it. <laughs> but I think that yeah, like, you, like after every kind of breakdown or whatever, I get clarity. I yes. get like that's beautiful. Yeah, like you say, like strength. Like, okay, I know what to do now. Yeah. You know, not that it's all about doing stuff, but like I feel like more capable. Like that something's kind of out of the way, which is probably like 
my thing. But like, what would you say your advice would be if people can't drop it? Because I think it's like, people have to experience their things. Like, yes. Like if they're addicted to alcohol because of some event, you know, they're having alcohol to kind of block it up and Absolutely. put it away. But they yeah. haven't dealt with it yet. And they could be 50, 60 years old and still haven't dealt with something that happened when they were 20. Yeah. So my number one piece of advice is just show up. Mm. Come as you are. Do, do not have any expectations around anything beyond sitting on that mat, period. Because just showing up and um, knowing that it might not be perfect, it might not look perfect, it might not feel perfect, but I'm here mm. is half the battle won. Because not a lot of people even do that, you know. So if you've made it to the mat, fucking bravo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah. You have already – you're already halfway there. Yeah. Um, the second one is, you know, compassion. So don't have any expectations over doing anything perfectly, having to keep up with – you know, you are your own barometer. Only you know where you're at and what you're capable of in that moment. Mm. And if you last for 30 seconds, well done. Yeah. If you do two push-ups, well done. <laughs> you know what I mean? As long as you can sit there and go, I really tried mm. and I gave it my best and I'm going to show up tomorrow and do it again. So there's five principles of Kaya and they are courage, which is just show up, okay? Commitment, just keep doing it. Day in, day out, you know. Compassion for yourself, all right. Consciousness, so meet yourself and then greet yourself because it's different every day. Mm. And then community, which is share. Mm. So really engage people around you um, and be vulnerable in that space because nine and a half times out of ten, they will resonate because they're going through something as well mm. that they might not have the courage to be able to talk about. And you opening up your door will help open up somebody else's door. Mm. And, um, and that's, that's beautiful. That connection, I think, is a really important um, aspect of anybody's growth. We are not designed to go it alone. Yeah. We are social animals. We are designed to move in packs. We are designed to be in communities, to foster villages, to be raised by everyone. I feel like why we've kind of retreated is there's a bit of an information overload now. We are so exposed to everything that's happening on the other side of the planet. You know, there's this feeling of helplessness. There's this feeling of overwhelm. There's this feeling of, well, what can I do? I'm only one person. Mm. Focus on yourself. Your own growth be the best you that you can be. Start local, start small. You, there's a million things that you can do in your own community to help your fellow human. Do a random act of kindness mm. once a week. Pay it forward. Someone's coffee behind you once yeah. a week. You know, do those tiny little things and I promise you, you're going to start feeling so much better about yourself and that is contagious. Mm. Your energy field, once you start going out with that sort of vibe... You know, your vibe attracts your tribe and all that kind yeah. of stuff, whatever. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it is true. And yeah. that's what we say about raising your vibration. So emotions have a frequency. Mm. And shame, guilt, fear, anger live right down around 50 hertz. Mm. Not great. That's your low vibe. Mm. You know, as you start to move up, um, you come into places of courage and acceptance and willingness and love. 528 hertz all the way up to what do you think is number... One at the top, 900 hertz. Happiness. 
Gratitude. <laughs> oh, gratitude. That's why gratitude is such a powerful mm. um, thing to invoke. That's why gratitude practices because instantly it catapults you up into that amazing space of feeling good. If you can be yeah. grateful about something in your life when you're feeling low, it instantly makes you feel better. Mm. And yeah, that's why I read that thing every morning. Yeah. I feel like it makes me – like I had like another vision thing. I guess I'm quite uh, symbolic in my head. Like yes. it, it makes me feel like steel. Like yeah. if you wake up grateful, you know, and especially I, I think it's a bit of a superpower in the hardship type of thing, like losing my mum, yes. like when you're young, you feel like even that makes me feel still because I've dealt with all that kind of stuff. Yes. Like you feel like once you go through that, you can handle quite a lot of things. hundred Like almost everything. You know? And you don't wish that on no. anybody, no, 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 but you just all. say thank you for showing me. You know, this mm. this was for unveiling my superpower. And there's always gratitude to be found in every situation, even though yeah. it feels like, um, you know, despair, total despair. Yeah. Um, and it might not yeah. be in the moment. It might be years later. Mm. It could be whatever. But every opportunity in your life is one to learn from and one yeah. to be grateful for. Yeah, and when you start your day with that, like you feel like you yeah. can kind of take on anything. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's how you want to... That's how you want to start your day. You, want, mm. you don't want to be like... I heard this great podcast the other day with Jay Shetty and Dr. Daniel Amen, who has this brain health thing and he was like, you know, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is um, tell myself that today is going to be a great day because mm. what it does is your words feed your subconscious and your subconscious is basically mm. programming what you're going to be thinking during that day. If you wake up going, today is going to be crappy... Well, guess what? Yeah, Today is going to be yeah, crappy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you wake up at least giving yourself the best chance going, today is going to be a great day, mm. then, you know, at least you sort of set yourself up in your mind. And it's so simple to do. Mm. Um, that and then, so, sorry, also, like when you set the tone for the day, like when you take control, yes. it eliminates other things. Like if you just reach for your phone first thing and you see that, I don't know, the queen has died. Yeah. You know, then you've already let that kind of dictate the way that you're thinking that day. Obviously, it's a sad time, but um, it was probably a bad example. But like, <laughs> no, but, but, you're right. but like, if you told yourself, wake up and, and, and you were grateful and you had some sort of routine or you just, you know, I'm going to have a great day today. If you saw that, it's going to have a different effect than yes. if you were just an open book. Like, I'm ready to be influenced. What's, what's the day going to bring? Okay, and it's going to be a sad day. And how much do we let day. other people's situations influence our day before mm. we even open our eyes properly? Yeah. You know, we've got five people's stories and um, in our mind. We haven't even had a chance to assimilate into our day. Like, I, mm. I've, I've got my daughter back at the moment. Um, I do a month on a month off with her and she, I'm not ashamed to say it, she sleeps in my bed. She's four. I know I'm never having any more children. So this is the last opportunity that I'm going to get with her. Yeah. And, she, you know, I don't have her all the time. And... Let me tell you, sleep is um, is is a myth when she's in my bed for me. Yeah. She is doing circle work. <laughs> she's like taking the covers down to one end. She's coming and she's fast asleep, by the way. I'm having the worst. I've got a king size bed. I get the strip edge side of it because she's constantly pushing into me. And I wake up in the morning. I've got a foot in my eye. She's like dribbled all over me. And I literally can't not look at her with just this overwhelming sense of love and gratitude mm. because... You know, even though I've had no sleep and I've got a black eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Kaya. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, 
I'll just savour every single second mm. that I have with her and know that it's going to be fleeting in the grand scheme of things. Like I already see my 13-year-old drifting off into teenage land and I'm yeah. like, bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. <laughs> yeah, that's a different You world. know, and um, so I really – I'm now much more present with her mm. because I'm like, this is fleeting. Mm. I am going to look back on these moments and wish that I'd had her toe up my nose yeah. a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> or that I hadn't pushed her away, yeah. you know. Um, so those are the lessons that I learned is be present with all of those things, find gratitude for all of those things, even mm. if they seem completely horrible at the time, there's going to be some time in your life where you look back and you go, I'm really glad that happened, mm. you know, because it was either a really great experience or it taught me this. Mm. It's plain and simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of so. like... Oh, what's the saying? Like mm. you, you don't lose, you learn type of yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You either win or you, you learn. You either win or you learn. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, And it's true. Mm, yeah. It's very true. 100%. So so i got three questions that I just want to wrap it up with. Okay. Since we're getting towards the end. Yes. They're not crazy. It's oh. just, so this is the Better With Brock podcast, right? So I, I love fitness, but I see it as a tool of self-development. Yes. Like that's, I love, so I, I, I fell in love with um, self-development, like, when I jumped in that Honda Civic and drove up to Auckland and didn't have any friends, I kind of lent on books for a while. And I just dove into books and I, f I felt like that kind of saved me for a while. And yeah. even though the self-help industry can be a bit, you know, motivation-y and a bit like that, like I, it kind of saved me at the time. Yeah. And now I kind of take what I like and leave what I don't like. But um, I'm a big fan of self-development. Mm -hmm. So I just have a few questions around that. So uh, even though you already have the quote on your um, on your sleeve there about you know I can do yes. anything. Um, what is one quote that you think has helped you become better? Um, so my one hundred and one year old well he nearly got to one hundred and one my one hundred year old grandfather. Wow. Yes. Um, who what a run. I know right. Um, he was two months shy of his hundred and first birthday. Good old grandpa Jack. He passed away about seven years ago, but. Um, he said two things to me. He was a man of few words, but he, they were wise words. Number one, um, go for the dough. That didn't eventuate in my life. <laughs> but anyway, number two, and this has stuck with me, um, don't expect. And I could never, I sort of was like, don't get it. You know, what does that mean? And I think it, it really comes down to um, this whole thing that we have around expectation is... Don't expect to me means you can't control how other people react to you. You can only control how you react to in a situation. Mm. And that has been so freeing for me. Um, you know, no expectations, no attachments. Um, focus on me. And, you know, it was really powerful and it took me quite a long time to understand what that meant for me. Mm. But he, I think he had it, you know, in the bag. So, yeah. yeah, don't expect. I like that. Mm. Um, second one, do you have a book that has helped you become better? Oh, yes. Um, I loved The Alchemist. By, yeah, it's, I think it's a fantastic story. I think it's a great story. I, I read it to my children. Um, it's like a universal thing. I just love the journey that he goes on and all those, um, you know, those realisations. Um, so that's been... That's been amazing. I mean, I too, like you, am just a book nerd. Mm. I love um, 
I just love, I love, yeah, I wouldn't say there's any one definitive book. I take pieces from from different ones and kind of use them to write the book of my own life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, but I love diving into everything from non-fiction to fiction to self-development stuff mm. to, um, you know, m- murder mysteries, to whatever it is. <laughs> like if I'm just feeling like I'm reading a great book at the moment called, um, called um, Conversations, oh, what is it? Oh, my God, now I can't remember it. Uh, Confessions of the Bird or uh, Conference of the Birds. Conference of the Birds. And um, it's a story about how in the 70s this group of actors, actually Helen Mirren was one of the actors, they did this incredible odyssey through Africa um, and they just stopped in all these amazing places and would put out a carpet and just perform and all the different um, cultural things that they came up against. I mean, so uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I mean. But, yes, mm. um, The Alchemist, I think, for me, was a very powerful book. It's one that I come back to a lot. Yeah, so nice. I read it a lot. I, I just finished one from Ryan Holiday called Courage is Calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on a second one called – well, not a second book, but of the – he's got like a series of the four, four kind of, uh, I don't know, like pillars of stoicism type of thing. Yes. But um, a quote that I love at the moment from that book is – and it's really simple, but for me, it's inspiring at the moment to find, I guess for me to, at the moment, I feel like I'm at a place where I need to find hard things and pursue them. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like when I first went online, it was, it's a new world and it's difficult. But then you find that you have more time. Yes. And, and you can be complacent or you can find hard things and pursue them. So I feel like I'm at this place. And, and it's a quote, if not me, then who? If not now, now then, then when? when? Yeah. yeah. And no, I, it's yeah. super simple, but I was just like, man, I feel like I'm called. Like, it's, yeah, me. totally. Pick well, me. it's like, so another one of my favourite books that you just reminded me was a book called Untamed by a woman called Glennon Doyle. Okay. And she has a podcast and her biggest thing was we can do hard things. Yeah. And that's it. It's what the podcast is called because mm. it's about fuck that. Yeah. Just because it's hard, mm. we can do hard things, mm. you know. And I think we're made for hard we things. We are made for hard things and um, I think we've become soft as we've evolved and now we're starting to realise that it's in us. It's in our DNA. It's part of who we are. We're mm. resilient. We have, yeah. you know, we have courage and, um, you know, we can do these things that are, I mean, God, life isn't hard. Imagine if we had to go out and like... yeah kill a wildebeest and drag it through the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I've been talking about this lately because, like, life has gone from, like, survival. Yes. So we've overcome that. Like, we, like there's food in for, abundance for, now. For some of yeah. us, yeah. For, sorry, yeah. 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 For, for, that's a privileged thing to say. <laughs> for most of us, yes. right, in the Western world, we are, like, food, like, we don't have to hunt for food. So, like, survival yeah. is, like, kind of, like, ticked off in terms of we can go to Woolworths and buy food and we're okay. But... Now it's like, well, what, what's next? So it's kind of like this fulfillment kind of like, because like... But there's, can you see, there's the now this whole, um, there's actually a pushback against that whole um, very cushy life mm. and people are starting to um, go back to living off grid and living off the land and mm. um, really just using what they need and, you know, this kind of overconsumption, over-commercialised, over-commoditised is, is starting to be- become a little bit... Um, you know, there's a backlash against it. Mm. And let's return to the land. Let's return to nature. Let's return to our roots. Let's I like that go back to living simply but with mm. meaning mm. and not treating the earth like it's just there for our consumption, mm. actually working with it because we're part of it mm. and we're not separate from it and we're mm. killing it. 
And we can't keep going the way that we're going because we will run out of resources and then we'll be like, oops, yeah. you know. But that's very hard to undo. Like once <laughs> exactly. Once we get to that point, it's going to be a bit late. So I think that now we're starting to realise that, you know, climate change is real, we need to take action, let's try and leave the planet better than we, you know. Mm. It's, it's all these things. It's, it's literally about being aware. It's about mm. being conscious of our choices, our decisions and um, and and being a little less selfish, being a little bit more, yeah. you know. All right, what's question number three? Last question. What is one thing you do every day that helps you become better? One thing I do every day that helps me become better is, like you, I find something to be grateful for. Mm. So whether it's something tiny, um, it always is something small. I think the more I get into it, it's I'm appreciating the smaller things mm. in my life. Um, and... And then obviously, you know, Kaya. I do Kaya every day. It helps me become better. (laughs) So on that note, just kind of wrapping up, what's next for Kaya or what's next for you? So much is happening. So, um, Or that you want to talk about, that you want to make people aware of. Well, the platform, we're we're growing the platform. We're bringing a lot more community stuff into the platform. So that's all underway. I mean, it's it's just this constant work in progress, obviously finding a team that resonates and, um, Mm. you know... So um, we're doing that. In terms of Leah, I'm just continuing doing what I'm doing. Um, I've got a few things in the pipeline that we're working on. I can't really talk about them too much at the moment. But, um, but just know that, you know, watch this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch this that's space. That's all we can say. Yes. Yeah. yes. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you I so much for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Cheers.